I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today, the extraordinary John Gordon, best-selling author, world-renowned keynote speaker. John's training and consulting company is developing positive leaders and organizations around the world. John works with Fortune 500 companies, pro and college sports teams. He works with hospitals, school districts, nonprofits. This guy's amazing. He's written 26 books, two of my favorites, The Energy Bus, which sold over 2 million copies, and The Carpenter, which at one point was one of the top five business books in the world. John Gordon, welcome. Thank you for blessing us with your presence today. Thanks for having me. I uh, love the name of the podcast. Where did the bedhead, you know, come from? Well, Bedhead Chronicles is before I, I actually went through acute myeloid leukemia. So now I have short hair, but I used to have long hair and every morning I would wake up and I'd have massive bedhead. And I thought, you know what? On social media, all we see is everybody all dressed up with their makeup on and everything. I'm just going to show up with my bedhead and we're going to talk about life. I love and, that. Yeah, so it's just being real. It's all about authenticity and just like you, John, you know, positive energy. And this is what I really want to share with my listeners. You are just, um, you live by what I feel is the most important thing of all, and that is positive energy, which a lot of people think it's rah, rah, cheer me on. What does positive energy mean to you? It means what you went through and how you overcame it. I look at you and I'm inspired because I can write about it, but living it is a lot harder when you're going through a tough challenge, when you're going through a health diagnosis, when you're going through some serious stuff, it's hard to stay positive. We're not positive because life is easy. We're positive because life is hard. And this is not Pollyanna positive. It's not about seeing the world through rose colored glasses. It's knowing that you have the power to overcome the thorns. And it's not about ignoring reality. It's about maintaining optimism, belief, and faith in order to create a better reality. So it's okay to say this stinks. This is really hard. This is difficult. But we're going to find a way forward. Positive leaders, positive teams find a way forward. They address their issues. They attack problems, not people. They unite together as a team because that's how we do things do great teamwork. And we have these great relationships, great teams, all focused on a vision, a mission. We have a common purpose. We build a great culture and we work together towards excellence. We're able to create success. But positivity is the glue that brings it all together. Because if you don't believe it, you'll never be able to create it. So it starts with that belief. It starts with that mindset. Everyone's been talking about mindset now, which has been great. I've been talking about it since 2002. 
But it's great that everyone's talking about it now because that is the key to have the right mindset that leads to everything else. Like you have to have a positive mindset to be a positive leader. You have to have a team of the right mindsets to be a successful team because every team is going to face adversity. There are going to be times where you think, are we going to be able to get through this? Will we be able to fix this or figure this out? Is there a solution to this? Because right now it doesn't look that way. I'm sure with NASA, they're doing that all the time. I'm sure the car companies and the automobile automobile companies are doing this all the time when they're designing cars. How do we work through this problem? And it's through optimism, belief, and vision. Oh, see, you're so spot on. And I'm living proof of that, John, because when I got diagnosed, they gave me less than 10% chance of survival. And I'll never forget, it was... And it's using everything that you talk about in all of your books. I walked into that hospital and my whole team was sitting there. And when I walked in, I could see the looks on their faces like, oh, poor girl, you know, she's so young. What a bright. And I walked in and I said, I'm going to survive this and I'm going to thrive on the other side. And I need to know that every single person in this room believes in that too. So there's the vision, right? Wow. I don't know how we're going to do this. But my only outcome is surviving and it's getting everyone on board with that vision. And it is, it's a trust, it's an optimism, it's, it's faith. So I thank you so much. And um, in this, you know, I had actually one person that I had to cut from that team and yep. he was a psychologist. And the first thing he said to me is, Siri, you know, a positive outlook is not going to save your life. And I looked at him and I said, yes, it is. And you're not allowed on my team. And I sent him out of the room. But what do you do? You have a team around you. Say, it, say it's a sports team. And pretty much everyone is on board with the vision. But there's one sucker that just doesn't believe, negative Nelly, energy vampire. What do you do about those people? Well, one, I'm glad you kicked that person off the bus. <laughs> off the bus. I would have, I would have said you know what, a positive outlook alone won't save my life, but it's a huge help towards living and creating my life and overcoming. Because alone, a positive attitude isn't everything, right? Being positive is not going to guarantee we'll succeed, but being negative will guarantee that we won't. So it's going to give me the best chance of succeeding. And why wouldn't I infuse myself with the right thoughts, the right medicine, the right everything in order to have the best outcome? So I love that you said, hey, we're not going to allow that. In a team approach, we build a culture where we talk about truth, where we talk about our values, our principles, and our standards, and ultimately what we stand for. And then when people deviate from that, we can call that out and we can talk about that. So I would talk about the principles of positivity of optimism and how we do things here. And then I would talk about the cost of negativity. And I would talk about how negativity does sabotage us. And when someone is acting that way, I would then be able to put language to it, identify it and say, no energy vampires allowed. Now, this doesn't mean you're, you're never allowed to disagree. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to complain ever. I wrote the no complaining rule. You're allowed to complain if you come with a solution. Yes. It's okay to disagree, but do you have the best interest and the common good in mind when you're doing that? We want to make sure that you're actually caring about the whole and the bigger purpose, not just so your needs are being met. Are you an energy vampire sucking the life out of your team? Are you a black hole that is doing that? Or you're someone that actually cares 
about the team and is giving dissension or challenging the status quo because it needs to be challenged. I want people on my team who counter me, who disagree with me, who, who sometimes make me think through things. That's very helpful. But if you're just being negative saying, oh, there's no way we'll be able to do that. If you're being pessimistic, if you're being someone who actually is stealing the joy and the possibilities from the team, that needs to be addressed. So I would address that person. I would talk to that person. Look, need you to be positive. I need you to work with me as we do this. Here's why I believe we can do it. Do you believe it's possible? Yeah. You know, I, I think about, I think about William Bratton when he became the police chief of, of New York and Rudy Giuliani had him become the, the police chief. And he met with the five bureau chiefs because there was a lot of crime in New York and the surrounding bureaus during that time. He said, do you believe crime can be reduced in your area? Two said yes, and three said no. He said, unfortunately, I had to fire three people that day because they didn't believe that it was possible. He goes, why take on the fight and battle if you don't believe you can win it? Exactly. And so he needed to bring in optimists. Another business case for this, Doug Conant, when he became CEO of Campbell's Soup, he turned around Campbell's Soup with optimism. He basically had to get rid of a bunch of people who didn't believe Campbell's Soup could be turned around. He got rid of the pessimists, got rid of those who weren't engaged and not interested. He did a lot of engagement scores and a lot of engagement testing. And from there, he replaced them with optimists and believers, and they turned around Campbell's Soup. And it was the result of the belief and the optimism. With education, we know there's a thing called collective teacher efficacy. Do we believe as a staff that we can impact our students' lives? And research shows that's actually the number one predictor and factor of student learning and success and student outcomes. Research shows those who believe it as a staff, that's collective teacher efficacy. Do we believe as a staff that we can, those students wind up producing extraordinary outcomes because of that belief? So time and time again, we see the power of belief and optimism. Duke University did a research there. Miriam Robinson did a study on optimism. And they studied optimists and they found that he worked harder, got paid more, and are more likely to succeed in business and sports. And what they found was that because these optimists believed in a brighter and better future, they took the actions necessary to create it. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Again, what we believe so often determines what we create. So energy vampires, negative people, we address it. Too often we don't address it and that's the problem. So it persists yeah. and exists. We address it. We talk about it. We put the elephant on the desk, which is what we do in our training now. And everyone does this that we work with. It seems all the, our leaders now put elephants on their desk. And it's a reminder, we're going to deal with the elephant in the room. We're going to have the difficult conversations. We're going to address the negativity and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to talk about solutions to the negativity, a way forward, the right mindset, right attitude, right actions, and how we can approach it. Any dissenters, any disagreement, let's hear it. Let's talk about it. And then we get it all on the table. So there's no stuff that's keeping you from being your best. We get rid of all that. So now positivity can move, move through us and forward towards our future we're creating. I love that. Elephant on the table. I love oh. it. But you have to address it because you're so right. So often we don't address it and that's where the problem lies. Yep. And whatever, I mean, I always talk about how what we focus on, we're going to find. You know, if we, if we are believing that it, nothing's possible. They're going to find every reason why and evidence why it's not possible. Yet if we believe it's possible, we're going to find evidence for that too. So you can't afford, 
I believe. You can't afford to not believe that there is a solution. Why would you choose that? Okay, I love this. You talk so much about purpose and about why. And I agree with you 1 million percent that when we have a deep emotional reason why something matters to us, we will find a way no matter what. It won't be easy, but we'll find a way. How do you, well, first of all, what has been your why behind the work that you do? It's meaning and mission, passion and purpose. And my why is to encourage and inspire as many people as possible, one person at a time, to help them become more positive, to help them overcome their negativity, their adversity, their challenges, to create the life that they were born to live, that they were meant to live, and become who they were meant to be and impact those they were meant to impact. So ultimately, a life touches a life that touches a life. So I know I'm not going to live forever. I know that I have a choice every day and how I show up and who I can impact. And that's what it's all about. Planting seeds, knowing that a harvest is coming. And you may not see the harvest, but every day you're planting seeds that will hopefully produce fruit in the lives of others. Amazing. Well, when did that seed come to you? I mean, there must have been a point in your life where you needed that. You know, maybe you were George on the bus. Like, can you share that time or that moment with us, please? I've always been positive and Mr. Positive. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, (laughs) there was a big time when George was based on me. Like, there was a major time in my life. When I wrote The Energy Bus, it's based on my life and my own negativity and my own desire to want to change. I had to change. My wife threatened to leave me if I didn't change. She said, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. You need to change. And I needed to change. I was full of negativity. I'd lost my job during the dot-com crash. Not sure about my future. How am I going to pay the bills for for my my family, my kids? I'm going to support them. Felt like a failure. Wasn't living up to my potential or my dreams. And I wanted to give up. And I was so negative, so miserable. And she said, you know what? I love you, but again, I'm not going to live my life like this. And I was blaming her for why our life was so bad. Mm-hmm. And so that was really wrong in me too. And that was my turning point though. Like her ultimatum was my turning point. I had to change. I wanted to stay married, but also I wanted to change. I wanted to be a better husband, a better father. And that began this journey. And I realized I was so negative because I was focused on myself, my own success, my own identity, my own feelings of, of worthiness. And I realized I wanted to serve others and make a difference and make an impact. That's when I was happiest. I knew that when I was younger, in my 20s, I started a nonprofit and we raised money and volunteer for youth-focused charities called the Phoenix Organization in Atlanta. And I was doing all this charity work, making a difference. And I was so happy. I wasn't chasing money. I was just happy doing that. I said, I got to do something where I'm making a difference, making an impact and talking and speaking and writing and doing something along those lines. And that's when writing and speaking came to me. So that was when I knew, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make my life about serving others and making an impact. And that's when I found happiness. And ironically, that's when I found success. When I wasn't looking for it. So I always say, plant yourself where you are with the desire to serve and make a difference. And you'll grow into the leader that you're meant to be. Don't chase success. Decide to make a difference. And success will find you. Don't seek happiness. 
because you'll never find happiness when you seek happiness. Yeah. Decide to work with passion and purpose. And happiness is a byproduct of that. I wrote about these things in The Seed, not The Energy Bus. Energy Bus, purpose and so forth. But The Seed was my book about purpose and planting yourself like a seed. And that's a great book for people who want to find more purpose and happiness in their life and their work. Gold, pure gold. And what I love, John, is knowing that you were in that space, that you were that person, because there's so many people out there that feel stuck. They feel lost. They're hurting. They have low self-worth. They're obsessed with their problems. And I think you sharing that is so important because they see the possibility of themselves in you. And it's like, okay, so he was there and look what he's doing now, you know, and I, I love that. And you're absolutely right. Going outside of yourself is often where you become free and you find that. And certainly the gift that you've brought into the world is profound. And I myself am so grateful for you. It, when you. someone else is out there and, and you know, I hear so often, I have no idea what my purpose is. Now I have a, a way that I came very connected to my purpose, but for you, how can you help guide someone to their purpose if they truly believe in this moment that they have no idea what it is? Well, there's a practical way and there's like a spiritual way. You want both or one? I'd love to hear both. I love the spiritual way too. Yes, please. On the practical side, start living on purpose. Be more intentional with your life. Start to look for ways to serve, to make a difference, to impact the life of others. Just start to live with more purpose and live on purpose. Stop going through life like you can't make a difference. Realize that you have the power to do so. And when you realize that and you start living that way and you start living on purpose, a bigger purpose starts to move through you. Now, I don't think we're here by accident. I think we have a purpose because we're meant to live on purpose and we were designed and created to have a purpose. If this world is just randomness and then just by chance, then there would be no meaning and there'd be no purpose and you would be an accident and I would be an accident. And I don't think you're an accident. I don't think I feel like an accident. No. And I met a 16-year-old who was struggling and suicidal and was in the ER two nights before I met with him. And he was thinking that his life was meaningless. But when I asked him if he was an accident, he said, no, I'm not an accident. And he was doubting the existence of God or a creator. And he was really struggling. He felt very disconnected. He felt very separate, which is what my book, The One Truth, is all about. Mm -hmm. When we move from oneness to separateness, we move from positive to negative. Yeah. It's why all mental health issues actually report feelings of disconnection, isolation, being alone, feelings of depression and despair. You feel separate. When you're connected to oneness, to peace, to joy, to purpose, to love, you feel whole and you feel one. Everyone understands these feelings because we've all been there. I remember someone came to me really struggling, all this anxiety, fear, stress, worry. I said, I bet you feel really far and disconnected from God. Yeah, I used to feel really connected and now I, I feel so disconnected. They said, how'd you know? I said, because if you were connected to God, you wouldn't be feeling this way. <laughs> you would have a completely set of feelings because you would be connected to oneness and you would feel completely different. Your emotions would reflect the oneness you feel. And when you're separate, your emotions feel very separate. So this young man was feeling very separate, very disconnected from himself, from God and from his purpose. And 
once I shared this all with him and helped him understand that he's not an accident, he's here for a reason. I said, you have a purpose. Yes, I have a purpose. I said, well, I said, if this is all randomness and chance, then you wouldn't have a purpose. Well, I have a purpose. So then he started to see that, okay, I'm not an accident. I'm here for a reason. I have a purpose. Well, guess what? Believe it or not, there's a creator who created you for a purpose. And you have a soul. And that soul is your unique spiritual expression of who you are. It's your spiritual DNA. And that spiritual expression of who you are, you came into this world to express yourself in this world and to live this world. And you're going to go through challenges and pain like you've gone through and different pain like I've gone through. We all go through different things and different stuff, but we learn different lessons along the way, but all ultimately very similar truths as we move through life. And as you go through life, the soul is meant to express itself with a purpose that is unique to you because you're not an accident. And once you realize that and you're open to that, that purpose starts to reveal itself through you. And the more you're connected to oneness, when you're connected to the creator, God starts to reveal your unique purpose to you. Just like that tree that must grow in soil, right? It, it thrives in soil or the fish that swims in water to thrive. It needs to be in water. We need to be connected to our creator to thrive. And when we are and experience the oneness, that's when we feel our purpose, our joy, our love. And the best part about that is now we're able to extend it to others. When you feel one, you want to go help the one. Yeah. So as you feel more one and connected, you want to go help the one who's lost and needs help, needs love, needs guidance. And then you had that compassion within you and your heart and your soul to actually go make a difference and impact others. I found that on my journey. And this really resonates with a lot of people because I truly believe this is truth. The one truth. It is. It is definitely the one truth. And I think what's so important too, because in those moments where people feel alone, um, so often it's because the people around them maybe aren't being open about their struggles. I've been there before. I've been fearful like you. I've been doubtful like you. I've been down like you. You know, I remember back in college when I had like severe anxiety and OCD and nobody ever spoke of those things. And because of that, I felt like I was the only person on the planet that felt these things and was doing these weird things. And Thus, my part of my mission is I want to talk about, you know, the things that happen along the way to success, the failures, the doubt, the self-doubt, the dark times that you've been through, that I've been through, that we all have been through so that people know that that's a part of life. That's your soul expressing itself. That's where we're learning. It's, it's those dark times. And maybe you agree with this. Those dark times often deliver us our most powerful gifts. Totally, totally. And we, we, we all have a hole in our soul. Everyone does that, that needs healing. And we heal, relational psychology tells us, in a loving relationship and in loving relationships. So what you're saying is we need community. We need connection. So I just talked about a spiritual connection, but also you can have a spiritual connection with another human being. Why? Because you are made of spirit. We, in spirit, inspiration. Guess what? Your soul and spirit and the other person is soul and spirit. Namaste says, the spirit in me bows and recognizes the spirit in you. It's basically saying my spirit recognizes your spirit. So what happens is we now realize each other's spirits. And when we are connecting and being vulnerable, our spirits start to join together and become connected, which then leads to oneness, wholeness, and healing. So we heal in loving relationships. 
And being vulnerable and sharing allows that healing to take place because otherwise we have these guards up and we have these walls that prevent healing from take place that that from taking place that actually creates separation. So we remove the walls, being vulnerable, authentic. The walls come crumbling down. That paves the way for meaningful relationships, strong connections, and then for healing to take place. And it's why every addiction program believes in community and connection and a higher power. So it's connected in community to others, connected to yourself, connected to others, and then connected to a creator, a higher power. But I have to add one thing to that because a good friend said this the other day. Relational psychology, yes, we heal in a loving relationship. But he asked me, his name is Erwin McManus. He's brilliant. He said, can you heal with a stranger? No, you can't heal with a stranger, actually. Like a, the, the stranger quickly becomes a friend the minute you start to, to heal. But, but if it's a stranger, no, you cannot heal when you are a stranger. There's no love. There's no connection. Well, guess what? If God is a stranger, can you heal with the higher power that's impersonal? No, it's a, it's a, it's a God of love. God is a God of love and God is here to give you love and forgiveness and joy and wants to heal you of what you're carrying. And that healing changes your life. And that's what happened to me. I finally realized I couldn't do it alone, surrendered to God. I need you. I need healing. And that's when everything changed in my life from that healing that took place. It became a very personal God. And I know some people haven't felt that. So it's hard for them to understand that or believe that. But I promise the more you open to it, it starts to reveal itself. It's been about 17, 18 years for me now. It just continues to get stronger. The relationship keeps on growing. If my wife and I don't spend time together, can we heal together? No. Can we develop a great relationship together? No. We've got to spend time. We've got to connect. Spiritually, it's important to make time and spend time spiritually to connect. Some people meditate. Others do mindfulness. People pray. Doing that allows you to connect to a personal loving God. And I, I've just got to share it because that's truth. Too many people are trying to do it on their own. Yeah. Self-love is important, but self-love will never heal you. It moves you towards healing because it's better than actually hating yourself. So it's actually more powerful, but it will never heal you because self-love is only as good as you are or as good as I am. And guess what? My, my, I fall short. I need a greater power and a greater love, if that makes sense. And it's almost make the decision to believe in something more. Something greater. Be intentional about, you know, shifting your belief as that will only serve you and allow you to experience the grace and the gift of that deeper. Why not? Why not? What do you have to what what do you have to lose? When all the research shows all the research shows prayer, meditation helps our mental health, helps our happiness, enhances our longevity. Why wouldn't we want to? Why wouldn't Again, we? And people need to know, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. Yes. Too many people have been scarred by religion and the wrongs of religion that have kept them away from the love and the faith of a creator that actually could transform their life. And my hope is to people will understand that there's a difference between relationship and love and religion. I love it. Thank you, John. John, how can people continue to learn from you? 
be guided by you? What is the best way to stay in contact? They can go to johngordon.com, J-O-N gordon.com. I have a weekly newsletter I send out. It's a weekly positive tip. I've got a seven-step positive plan they can actually sign up for. It's free. And you can actually start doing that seven step, do one thing each day. And we do the one word exercise. We feed the positive. There's a lot of practical tips I give, like you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. I've done a lot of research in neuroscience. A lot of my books deal with that level in terms of feeding yourself with positivity, feeding others, or Instagram or Twitter at John Gordon 11, J-O-N Gordon 11. And I wrote a book, The Power of Positive Leadership the power of a positive team. If your leader wants to be a better leader, guess what? You create oneness within your team. Connection and commitment, they'll be a stronger team. Get your team together. Power of a positive team is all about positivity, optimism, belief, shared vision, great culture, pursuing excellence, having difficult conversations, a lot of practical strategies on building a stronger team. And we do actually a lot of leadership training and team development for the world-class organizations, Fortune 500 companies, and we do a lot of that. You and I went deep on a spiritual level, on an individual level. But if people want the tools and the strategies from a business level, we offer a lot of that as well. Amazing. John, thank you so much for being here today. Listeners, get on board, do a deep dive into John Gordon's stuff. It is so powerful and it will really serve you and your organization. John, you're a light. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you again in the future sometime. Thank you for your light and thank you for your inspiration and just showing us all, you know, that anything is possible when you believe. It is. Thanks, John. You're amazing. So much love to you. Thanks. Love to you. Bye. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook Siri Lindley, and Twitter at Seltz. S-E-L-T-S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine on.